welcome back. Happy New Year, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Call it, yeah. <laughs> Hello, guys. It's We're back. Martina and I, Gustavo, in case you forgot my name. Um, we took a, a longer break than I we thought. Well, it was my fault, really. I'll, yeah. I'll well, apologize for that. We've... We thought that once the new year started, we were going to have all this free time, and it wasn't even like that. We both were really busy at the start of the year, and life threw us for a while. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just like, and then we had a blizzard and um, the polar vortex. Now and so now we're here. Yeah, Today's not a good day. Today's was, a good day. The weather was not nice to us. I actually contemplated because it's only fifty degrees today just wearing a vest out and around like not even putting my coat on after how <laughs> cold it's been around here right not even putting a coat on today i was almost boycotting the idea of it i i actually went out on friday mm-hmm. i went i need i need a coffee so i need i mean and the duncan is dunkin donuts it's like two blocks away um, but have a Starbucks that's like four blocks away. So I went to the closer one. The closer one. Because we know that you don't like to walk. Right. <laughs> We've already established that. And it wasn't bad, but you know, you have these neighbors who don't shovel at all. Yeah. So that kind of made it a little bit unbearable. Like there was just three houses like together, like they didn't clean the whole thing. So I was like, ugh. So were you just wandering in the street? No, oh. I have no boots that go high. Oh. So I was like, I made a little trailer for the next person. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but yeah, but anyway, we're here. We're back. Um, 2019, season two. We have a two. lot of fabulous content coming yes. um, in the next couple months. Couple months, yeah. And next month we'll be approaching our year anniversary already can yes. you believe that this has already been a whole entire year <sighs> i was just talking about it with um with someone i work with and i'm like i can't believe it i'm like we started this at the end of or like middle to end of march yeah and it's already already that time yeah so it time flies when you're having fun exactly so we have fun doing this um so we're going to continue going until i guess someone booze us someone booze us yeah it hasn't happened yet <laughs> It's because, you know, no one follows us, but... Right. (laughs) Anyway, as long as we hear it, that's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to start off or should it... You start off because I want to talk about the other ones. Oh, okay. So I get the shit ones is what you're telling me. No. Fine, I'll start. (laughs) No, it's okay. I'll do it. Um, So actually, ironically enough, the title of this episode is The Marvelous Mrs. Junkie. Um which is a play on words, obviously. Um, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, who um, is played by Rachel Brosnahan, um, is actually going to be the face of a campaign for Francis Valentine, which is the um, spinoff company that was started by Kate and Andy Spade um, once she had left Kate Spade. Mm-hmm. And it's named after their, daughter's, or their daughter, Frances Beatrice. And uh, the second half of the title, obviously, Junkie, Fashion Junkies. So, uh, But it's really interesting, though. The I had no idea that Rachel Brosnahan was even her niece. Yeah, I didn't had either. No clue. I didn't either. Um, and then you look at pictures of her. Like, I had to sit there and Google her, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe she does look like her. 
and they have it, like the actual campaign itself is really cool because um, Rachel uh, is going to be holding this yellow bag in in one of the main ads, and it's called the Midge, which is obviously named after her character on the, the character. show that she's on. And but just the way that she's styled, um, she looks a lot like Kate, um, Kate Spade herself. Yes. Yeah. So. At first, I didn't see it, and then I saw those campaign ads of her dressed like that, and I'm like, okay, sold, done. Sold, yeah. Um, so it's going to be a, a very cute campaign, very colorful, very full of life, just very much like what Kate Spade um, embodied and her her namesake brand does to this day. And um, she's actually – this should help both her and it should help Kate Spade and – or excuse me, Frances Valentine – in, in both ways because she's actually nominated for an Emmy or she was nominated for an Emmy. She won a Golden Globe and then recently just won a SAG Award as well. Um, so she's she's kind of hot on the um, award show circuit at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm actually very interested to see how this goes because this is a family member that's going to right. be representing the brand. And she um, told... Um, she was on the Today Show recently, and she was saying, quote, I think when you lose someone you love very, very much, you spend a lot of time trying to think about how to keep their spirit alive. I think in Katie's case, there's so much of her left behind, and this is the opportunity for us to celebrate her life and legacy. And I think that's great just because it, it took everybody by surprise, I think, when, when the news happened this past summer that she had passed away. Yeah. And I don't know that necessarily everybody had that proper time to mourn, if you will. Right. It was just kind of one of those things that happened. And then shortly after, then Anthony Bourdain passed. Mm-hmm. And so it was just one thing after the other. And I don't think people properly um, mourned it. So it's it's a great way to celebrate um, a very powerful woman and what she, she accomplished in 55 years of life. So Right. Yeah, and it's it's amazing just, um, you know, doing more research, apparently there are some um, bags that are inspired from the show. Like, I would confuse, I confused it a lot with... On the Francis Valentine one? Yes. Oh. Um, I, I confused the show, The Marvel Miss Maisel, with um, The Unfortunate Life of Kimmy Schmidt, I think it is. The I've one on Netflix. Seen that one, yeah. That was oh, a hilarious one. Um, but no, yeah. Um, I like you. I never thought. I didn't know that was her niece. Um, the ad campaigns are just pro- uh, they're just going to be on social media and um, on in the website. Um, it you really see Kate Spade in in all these in all these pictures, and I agree with you what you were saying. Like we didn't have time to mourn, I guess, in a way, or kind of process that. Like, oh my gosh, she's not here. Yeah. Um, so are they not doing any print ads, like in magazines or no, anything like a that? Curti- no. So a, just all digital? It's all digital. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, apparently, apparently this brand, they don't do like Kate Spade. Probably funding, too, plays yeah. into it. So Interesting. Interesting to that. And that was really cute. And it's really, like, I like the ad because it's very summery, very, I don't know how to say it. It's just very, like, happy. Yeah. and joyful right. and well and that's between the kate spade label and that they, yeah that's literally what it represented was this happy-go-lucky yeah 
literally not to you know not to have a pun on words but lived life colorfully yeah so. so i thought that was really cute that was really i guess uplifting after all this um i guess dark path or sure. dark yeah, yeah, period yeah, you know so yeah, so that's happy to see that you guys check it out. Um, Is there a release date on that? Do you know? Um, no, it's just saying that there are, um, there, there. It's just going to be like their spring campaign. Okay, so in the next few weeks. Yeah, in the next few weeks. Something. I think by like mid February, maybe March, early yeah. March, they should start releasing stuff, yeah. little by little. Spring products are already starting. To yeah, it's stores and stores. Whatnot, so we're should see it shortly. Shortly, yes. So speaking of ad campaigns we're gonna move to one of my favorite designers in the whole world <laughs> sarcasm is it michael kors no it's not oh. speaking of michael kors oh dear lord here we go this I is was why really... you don't ever bring him up around <laughs> gustavo i am if i ever meet him i probably just walk past by him like mm, michael kors um, but I was hearing, I was reading something, or I was about to read, that apparently they're going to, since he has, not control, but he owns Versace, not owns it, but his conglomerate. Yeah, and the parent company. The parent company. They're trying to find a way to, you know, has Michael by Michael Kors, and it's a little bit more affordable. They're trying to find a way to get Versace up to somewhat get a second line like that oh no no but don't quote me it's just stuff that i was skimming through some bougie sites exactly <laughs> i mean you can't give versace and they come out with versace i don't know or versus like, even versus was expensive yes well okay so we're gonna go off on a tangent now like you know. do. right I've started watching that assassination of Johnny Versace that's mm -hmm. on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And like I didn't like I, I knew about Versace and I knew the story and I didn't but I didn't really know the in depths of the brand. So now that I'm watching this, I've started like researching more about just for the Versace label in general mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. And it was this luxurious strong woman like that's mm -hmm. the type of woman he used to dress it was almost like and they make a reference to McQueen too in that show like when he wanted to do just clothing that was going to represent the woman they were talking about the theatrics that McQueen was doing in London mm -hmm. and but same concept they wanted to empower that woman to go out and and for the world to be afraid of her, essentially. Mm -hmm. And that was very much what McQueen's um, personal uh, viewpoint was as well. And he's been quoted saying that. So I, I don't know. Like, why fix something that's not? And, and to be honest with you, then I started looking at, like, pre-collections of pre-him passing away and then post-Donatella taking over. Mm -hmm. And to me, I am so let down I always thought Donatella's designs were okay and that some of the stuff was great. Like and a few only, here and there. Yes. And the only thing that I really, truly enjoyed was the Atelier Versace, which mm -hmm. was that higher end tier, that couture line. Mm -hmm. But the ready-to-wear just never did anything for me. And then I go back and I research, like, all of his stuff pre-97 and I'm like, oh, my God, you're talking about, like, salivating at the mouth. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I don't know. I think it cheapens it. I think she's cheapened it already. Okay. And I'm probably going to catch some flack for that, but Right. I think to piggyback off that. I think she feminized it a little too much. Yes. It was just exactly if she if she would have give it just a little bit like a de- delicacy or a little bit softer touch, mm-hmm. I think it would still been okay. But I think the same thing with McQueen. I think Sarah Burton gave it this more of a femininity touch to it that he, I'm not saying that he lacked, but he didn't know how to bring it out into the clothes. And I think she does. And it's interesting to me, though, because both of them were men. Mm -hmm. And then the reins were handed over both to women. Mm -hmm. And I think both of those brands went in same direction, but just two different design aesthetics, if you will. Right. Um, and I think that's, although I will say, like, I feel different. Like, I, I enjoyed McQueen's work, and it was a beautiful piece of artwork. But it took it almost to the extreme of... Custom. Just, yes, you couldn't wear it. Like, you couldn't put it on a hanger right. and sell it in a department store. It just, it wasn't wearable. And I think Sarah Burton made it wearable. Yeah. And I feel like it's the opposite with the Versace label. Like, I think a lot of it's kind of ridiculous. Okay, here, I'll reference. How about the weird-ass chaps that they had a few years ago in the men's collection that the men came out with these, like, stupid chaps on? Mm Mm-hmm. With the underwear. Yes. Like, no. Goodbye. True. Why are you looking at me? Because I was trying to remember. I was like... I was trying to remember if it, besides being paired with styles with the underwear, I know it was on and jeans. And I think it had like a, yeah, it was like a Canadian jeans, tuxedo almost. Yeah. Like it had a denim jacket on yeah. top. Yes. Yeah. Like that's the one that sticks in my memory. Right. But some of it just for show though, I believe. I never seen anybody walking around like that. And there's devoted Versace fans out there. Oh, the things that I could say to them. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your horse? It reminds me of willing of Gilmore Girls because I've been watching Gilmore Girls. Oh God, here we go with and the Netflix her first, binge. And um, Rory enters Chilton like this prestigious high school, and it's laundry day, so she had nothing to wear. And on top of that, they woke up late, so she had time to go to the dry cleaning. So she wore boots, uh, leather boots, um, like jean shorts, and like a tie dye shirt. And then she wore like a long cardigan sweater. Dear Lord. Yes. So then the grandma was there, which is just, you know, she comes from money, obviously. So she's wearing maybe like a Chanel or whatever. And when she takes her coat off, she didn't want to because she know how her mother's going to be and then how they're going to look at her wearing this. And then the moment she takes her shirt off, the mom is just like, oh, my gosh. So then she asks, at the end of it, she tells Lorelai, like, do you need a ride or is your horse in the back? <laughs> I was like, oh, and not for nothing, whoever watches Goma Girls, Parrots is the one that has the good lines. I've never seen it. you never seen no, it. You I've should never, watch no. it. Probably not, though. Everybody that sees it, 
like everybody that has seen it like the first time, like it's like yes, they like the girls, like the main characters, mm-hmm. but once they watch it again, and this has happened to me a few episodes, like I flipped on them because I'm like they're just using people, and there's there's like a blog out there dedicated to like hating the Gilmore Girls. And they talk about, like, each episode, how, like, they manipulate whatever, 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 just so they can't get, so they can get their way. Sounds like there's a lot of angry people out there is what that sounds like. (laughs) I think either or. But anyway, we're getting off subject. Okay. Um, That was my phone. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to ask you to exit the studio. (laughs) I will. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, So... Speaking off of the Kate Spade campaign, um, everybody is talking about the Mesware prodigy, um, Virgil Abloh. I think that's his last name. I've heard Virgil, 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 Virgil. whatever you want to call it. Um, Summer debut. <laughs> um, his campaign for Louis Vuitton, um, Virgil has been like on this high of you know wowing everybody off the off white. Right brand mm-hmm. and being picked at Louis Vuitton after um, Kim Jones left. Um, everybody just praised his Louis Vuitton collection last summer. Um, so everybody was really, really like interested to see um, what this campaign were going to be um, for Louis Vuitton. Um, I like the fact that there's a press release to explain the ad campaigns. Well, yeah, because I, I don't think most people are expecting kids on the ad. Right. So I think you have um, to do that. So there's going to be – there's three ad campaigns. Well, there's three stages to his summer – spring-summer campaign. Um, so he goes out first saying that he um, he likes the idea – the campaign investigates ideas of individual, individual perception – and evolving through lenses of inclusivity. So that's the whole point of this campaign. Um, the first segment of the campaign um, was released early last, early this week or last week um, in a shot by Ines and Vinud um, entitled Infancy, Childhood, and Adolescence. So it kind of um, is an homage to The Wizard of Oz. Um, the clothing... Um, is modeled by a three-year-old named Aliyith that's playing with paper boats wearing an oversized jumper. Um, the second picture is by seven-year-old actor Leo James Davis, um, just kind of basking against a rainbow backdrop. And then 16-year-old Luke Prell is captured wearing a poppy print jacket. Um, it was very adamant. Well, kind of like they were really... Um, wanted this to be released around Martin Luther King mm-hmm. um, just because of the references. Um, um, you know, and embody the purity of infancy and still unaffected by purity and perceptions of gender, color, and creed. Um, something that, I love oh, that. Can I yeah. just... I, I want to stop you for a second. That quote of the explanation of still unaffected by preordained perceptions of gender, color, and creed really stood out to me in this whole article Mm -hmm. when we read it because it's true like kids at that small and you could see like this kid's got to be what two or three yeah he's he's small and um oh yeah it says it in the notes three-year-old um 
kids at that age don't understand this separation of gender, color, and creed. And yeah. you could literally have a lengthy discussion about this of, uh, or an argument rather of do kids understand the, the gender difference or color or even a creed? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that's bestowed upon them by parents or by adults that are around them that make them see the difference? They don't, they don't see that. They see all one color as opposed to we see black and white. Right. Um, so that was my favorite, my favorite part of that. Yeah, I, and the pictures itself are, it's really... And they're um, colorful, too. It's yeah, like they're it colorful plays too. on this yeah. irony of it. Yeah, so I thought it was brilliantly, you know, the the um, the kids part, the first segment's amazing. Um, the second segment entitled The Painter Studio will be on February 1st, which is already out, um, which will appear in print advertisement placement only. So you only see it like in magazines and whatnot. Um, it's created by Algerian multimedia artist Mohamed Barouza. And the image is an homage to a 19, to an 1885 oil painting by Gustave Corbett called The Artist Studio. So it draws a parallel between Abloh and the French painter. So um, obviously in Louis Vuitton, he has his, um, like his friends, like rapper Octavian, Kristen Centera, um, who styles Abloh's Louis Vuitton shows, and painter Lucien Smith and Barissa himself. So I did, did a little picture. I, I don't I'm, know if I saw this No, one. I didn't. I oh. forgot to send it to you. But okay. in the actual oil painting, it ex kind of exactly the same thing where where Abloh is in the center is the painter. So it's pretty much somebody painting what's going on in the painter's studio. Mm-hmm. So pretty much how that campaign is um, where he's in the middle and just of like a runway show and trying to style and everything. So it's pretty much the same thing. Um, obviously it's just a little bit different colors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and the third will debut on March 22nd across Louis Vuitton's social media channels and website, and it's called School Teens, shot by Dutch photographer Raymond Buda. The images select teens in Los Angeles wearing bright Louis Vuitton t-shirts. FYI, you know, these are the shirts that Ablo gifted his guests on his debut show. Um, we talked about it. Um, that he had invited students to come see the show. Mm-hmm. And these were the shirts he passed out um, to the guests of his, you know, his debut show. So this whole image um, is grappling on the desire to belong, contrasted by the need of individuality. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I think both images... I think I sent you the colorful one. Yeah, and I'm looking one. at it right now, and it's very Louis Louis Vuitton though. Just yes, even with just kids there. Right. Um, and did you notice that there are no girls in this picture? It's consistent. They're boys. Yeah, they're this. all boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a reason for that. Um, he's also quoted saying in the press release, "I wanted to make something that is universal and human to the core." And he goes on to say, inclusive and then something that has gravity. So I decided I was going to focus the campaign on boyhood and not menswear. What makes men? The different stages in one's life, from infancy all the way through teenager, adolescence, young adult to adult. I like that because that's, I, I don't know, a lot of brands just in general. And there's some that do it very well and then some that completely forget about it. You want to keep that brand loyalty because mm-hmm. obviously if you pigeonhole yourself in a certain age demographic, once that person has passed that age demographic, they're not going to 
buy from you anymore. Right. They may buy from, or they may buy for family members that are of that demographic or that age bracket, but they're not going to buy for themselves. So with this, you, you're, you're building from a young child and you're developing them all the way into adulthood with yeah. that specific brand. Um, which in this case, they're talking about just all the stages that a, a boy goes into becoming a man, mm-hmm. but you figure that there's got to be some clothing that's going to fall in there with yeah. that and build that brand loyalty definitely. across the board. Yeah, definitely. That's what I, I thought about ever from the first, you know, little boy coming out from the mm-hmm. sweater and, mm-hmm. you know, to like in high school trying to find yourself and whatever, whatever, you know, we all been through that. Right. Um, so I thought he really captured um, not necessarily nothing, something new, but what's actually happening like now. I mean, it happens to all of us. So then he goes on to say to WWD, I'm not content with just designing clothes. I am more enamored with providing a premise of why my designs exist. Today is the context that is the punctuation of this up, of the object on the object. There's too many people that are creating clothes now. You yeah. have to, especially with these luxury brands. Right. If you're going to be charging an arm and a leg for this stuff, you got to find a way to separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Right. But I've seen already What have you seen? Something like um, the second installment mm-hmm. at um, when Nicholas Good Scare was there. But, I don't know. I don't remember that one, to be honest with you. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's a good campaign. It's going to be good. Um, it's happening now. So. Lovely. Lovely. Well, I'm very excited to see this. I think that um, I, I I struggle between keeping things as they are and then having somebody like Virgil who is in some respect an innovator because some of these former um, former creative or former creative um, directors probably would have never done something like this and really push that thing of gender and race in some regard. Because they were white right. or, like, European. Um, Europeans apparently don't see racism. So, well, I don't know, but... I'm just quoting myself. <laughs> well, look at so, it. They had Kim Jones, who was... Brit- as British as they come. Right. And then he went to Dior... You know, and then I think nobody has, I mean, besides, yeah, nobody of being non-white or whatever has been in a French house who hasn't been European. Mm -hmm. I mean, except for, like, Oscar de la Renta, who was at Celine, or, I mean, Balmain, Balmain, (laughs) um... (laughs) A few years. I I just. And I speaking know, of Balmain, their Hakator was a hot mess. I'm just saying. Anyway. Okay. Um, what's I gonna say to you? I just I don't know. I think it's. 
I like something that there's so many like ready to wear labels out there. And I like something that's going to have some production value. It's going to have a story behind it. And I get that most of these have a story and an inspiration. But this, this to me delves into a current topic as uh, like today, for example, right. that you have this gender and this creed and this race thing that is starting to, in some regard, be a separating factor for some people. Okay. Yes. Understood. Okay. And to me, that brings that conversation to the forefront. Right. But do you, f- I think I've, as my question to you, or I'm probably answering my own question, or <laughs> I'm as- or asking myself my own question, is and it answering- because he is an American designer at a French house, where this is happening in America, not necessarily in Europe? Yes, you know what I, I mean? Could, I could see it, yes. Um I, or because of more of a, may, is it maybe his his experience there in Europe that's saying like if truly what you think is true that Europeans don't see that kind of separation, right. if you will, then maybe that's where he's getting this whole thing is saying that kids are born with no preconceived um, a, a opinion, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, of these separations and so he's trying to change that mindset saying okay well we're born in a specific or we're born and we don't see it in a specific way okay so why is it that in adulthood you do you see where i'm going with this because you get beat up by people were you beat up a lot no oh. i was never bullied girl <laughs> you were the bully i was the bully oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding um no, I just, I don't know, like, well, my thing is, I guess using Louis Vuitton as that platform to kind of get this out, mm-hmm. it's great, because, mm-hmm. you know, people do follow Louis Vuitton, sure. especially now that he's there. Right. But why didn't you do that when you at, were at Off-White? I mean... Very true. Okay. Why... Touche, yeah. If his brand actually stands for that as well. Mm-hmm. That's my question. Could somebody get Virgo on the line? <laughs> could somebody call his auntie in Rockford and tell him to come say, over? I was going to say, you could probably find somebody in Rockford. <laughs> hey, you know what? I have to go there for work in a couple weeks. Uh, for a couple them, days, right. I have to be out there. So maybe I'll start doing some investigating. Yes. And just knock on his aunt's door and right. say, hey, girl. There's a podcast, we need to talk, girl. right? There's a podcast you want to be a part of, and then we'll tag. I'm just kidding. That's horrible. Uh, <laughs> well, we just want to know what's what's the tea. What's the tea? You want to know the tea? Oh, I thought you were gonna be like, "What's the tea?" And uh, I was gonna be like, "The tea, honey. The honey tea. The gossip." <laughs> There's this video with Tri- <laughs> Trayvon. Tray. What's the singer? Trayvon Sagan. Trayvon. I have no idea. I've never even. I think he's British or. Why does nobody get pop culture? Maybe it's because you're old. Whatever it made. (laughs) That guy famous, Warhol. Pop art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So no, but we really need to get his his auntie on the phone. 
because Virgo is being accused. Moving on, <laughs> moving off of you know his triumphant, tri triumphant, you know Paris debut. Uh, we're gonna rain a little bit on his parade. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, Virgo, you know, has been having an amazing week. Um, well, last week at Paris Fashion Week, um, you know, first debuting his fall winter collection for nineteen, um, for Off White, and then um, the next day he was doing it for Louis Vuitton. So um, there's been a lot of. Bad, pre bad press lately, uh, specifically on Instagram and Twitter. Um, nobody uses Facebook, guys. So if you really want to follow, like, all the tea, all the gossip. I'm at Facebook. You guys need to follow. You, need, you guys need to be on Twitter and on Facebook. I do like Twitter. I will you know. give you that. But don't do, like, Stefano Gabbana, you know. Just don't answer. <laughs> don't, don't answer to the messages. Don't answer anyone's DMs. Yes, don't answer to the DMs. Um, so according to Instagram and Twitter direct sources, um, there is there is this American Haitian designer called Michelle Ellie. Um, I did a re little research on her. She's a designer of um, this company. She's a designer for this brand called Prim. Um, what they do is they do like jewelry mm -hmm. and they do um, purses. Um, she's from Cologne, Germany. She is from Cologne, Germany. Her husband is from there, but she's an American Haitian designer. So she went on social media, specifically on Twitter, I mean on Instagram, and just really called out Virgil, Virgil for copying um, her son, Zach Elie Mayer. Um, a this his a collection he did back in April twenty eighteen at Lagos Rise Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. Um so Michelle just goes off saying how um which I didn't put this on the notes, but she's just um done with Virgo. Um there is Rumors saying that um, he's never, ever met these people, but there is a picture of her son and Virgo outside of this French building. Um, it's by a door um, that it's been taken together, and she pulled it on my social media saying, ha, like, here's a picture, here's the proof, now lie. Um, so she's just really calling him off, saying... Um, in this April collection, um, Zach, who goes by his Instagram handle, Punk Zach. I'm looking that up. I can't find him. <laughs> Punk Zach? Really? Yeah. Look maybe. up Colors. And his line is called Colors, which is C-O-L-R-S. Um, it's, it's a predominantly streetwear kind of work work. Um, collection, um, you know, done with, you know, like the mechanical onesies, you know, you know, worker shirts and pants, um, oversized sweaters, and specifically... Is that it? E no. What is wrong with my Instagram account today? Um, okay. Yeah, something's wrong here. So, Zach did this yellow... 
um, suit, pants, and work shirt. Um, you know, it has writings on it. It has scribbles on it. And um, there's, like, some direct messages or something like that. And then at this off-white, you know, second Paris collection that um, was a few days ago, um, there is a similarity to Abloh's collection so i was trying to find more pictures of this color collection because um michelle goes on saying that even like i I, maybe she was exaggerating but she was saying even from the shoelace you know to the accessories it was you know copied um there is there is a similarities in the styling as well because in Zach's collection in April, he had them with some with um helmets, and Louis Vuitton and Alf White. They also were some helmets there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are just you know who are fans of Zach, or who do follow fashion because you know Michelle. Um, was kept tagging Diet Prada, Diet Prada. And I was talking to you about last time, if you know what Diet Prada was, you know, where they do side-by-side um, similarities of collections of knockoffs or so on and so forth. And, you know, Diet Prada is really huge at doing that, even to the big major designers. Um, and, you know, there's a tag for Virgo, there's a tag for Off-White, there's a tag for Louis Vuitton. Everybody's got something to complain about. Right. Um, so this is what they're saying. Um, you know, so she was just saying that, you know, um, Michelle was just saying how he's a praise designer, but he's a, not a designer. He's just a person who's known how to knock off stuff and just kind of sort of make it his own. Um, I, c- I couldn't find it because it was Colors, C-O-L-R-S, Baby. Oh, baby. And now I, I found it. So, uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, so that was her thing, saying that, she, you know, nine months later, she sees sort of the same thing um, at Abloh's Off-White, you know, Paris collection. So this isn't, as if this wasn't bad enough, you know, the next day, just off, you know, just after Off White was premiered or shown, um, a few hours later, the next day was a Louis Vuitton one. So um, the same thing happened at Louis Vuitton. You know, just a few hours later, um, there is another design that was supposedly copied by designer Kirby Jean Raymond, whose fashion line is called. Prior Moss, which was funded in 2013, and I really thought, like, how is this possible for him to knock off something like this? But, um, you know, you know, um, Prior Moss, um, the brand, you know, that's designed by Kirby John Raymond, um, he won the 2018 CFT April Fashion Fund. And has, you know, um, followers and fans like Anderson Pock and Michelle Obama's apparently worn a couple of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, John Remy tweeted after a fan, you know, tagged him and a side by side picture, you know, um, the th- um, what was copied was um, John Raymond's collection had a woman wearing a large inspired American flag. Um, in a suit, in um, scarf in red, white, and yellow with a white 
um, suit, a woman's suit. And at Louis Vuitton, it was the same scarf, um, inspired flag scarf, but in white and gray, but paired with a men's suit. Um, and Jean Raymond just goes on tweeting saying, I learned six X ago that no one in the press is going to call him out about it. When you advertise in these magazines, you're a god. He has a bigger platform and I can get mad all I want. And in the end, he has millions more following than believe he did it first. So my question to you is, like, where do you draw the line right, well, of, like, when you're directly copying or when you're directly inspired? Um because we can all say that anybody can make a ball gown, a sweetheart ball gown. Right, you know right. what I mean? It's the yeah. same silhouette. It's the same cut. You know, the difference is... I'm looking at this stuff. Sorry, I was really right. silent because I've been watching this whole thing. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm looking at these posts. I was able to find her on Instagram, uh-huh. too. And, okay, so you see the similarities. Okay, but... Either way, this shit's ugly. Right. I mean, no, no, no it is. Um, it is. It, it, this, it's this brand colors. I mean, you guys can take a look at it yourself. Colors, baby, on Instagram. Yeah, C O L R S, baby, all together. And these kids look homeless. Like literally, <laughs> they look homeless. Yeah, if you go on the website. Um, he has like um one of a kind kind of things creation which is understandable um there is i mean i see i see the similarities but mm-hmm. to directly say that virgil ripped him off mm-hmm. um i don't believe it but that's me i don't know what are your thoughts uh, i don't know i'm in between i feel like first of all i never liked off white Mm-hmm. Um, I barely like what he's doing at Louis Vuitton, um, especially this harnessed thing, which I'm writing. That's a, taken off, man. Have you I'm, seen that? Yes, I'm writing a post about it in my personal blog, more than a bow tie. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it in there. Just throw that little <laughs> plug in there. Right. Um, I'm writing a, a blog about it, um, a post about it. Um, I didn't like it. I don't like it. The more research I'm doing it, I kind of see how it looks great on certain people. Um, Timothy Chalamet had it for the Golden Globes. I'd wear a little harness if I were a dude. <laughs> Honey, there's harness out there for any type of occasion you're looking <laughs> for. <laughs> um <laughs> I knew that one was going to get a little giggle out of you. Um, I thought he wore it the best. And then Michael B. Jordan wore it for... Um, Your the birthday. SAG award, the SAG Awards. And it was floral print. I didn't like it because it he put it on top of the coats. And I feel like if you're going to wear a harness, don't wear a coat. Just um, wear the yeah, shirt. I can see that. Because once he took off the shirt, once he took off the shirt, hey, once he took <laughs> off, once he took off the coat and was just with the harness, it looked great. It was nicely, the color, the floor pattern, the colors, it really bounced off his, what was it, like a gray, olive shirt or whatever. Um, and then the guy from... 
I want to say Charles Bronson. That sounds right. Broman. Um, the guy from Green Green Panther, <laughs> Black Panther, Green Panther. <laughs> Gustavo's Black just Panther. developing his own movies, now. right? From Black Panther, he wore something. He wore the harness thing too, um, but for the ESPY awards, and it was just really uncolor coordinated. And then Alex sends me a picture of the harness from Louis Vuitton, and I told him to wear it, but he didn't want to. That's who you need to go to to get the... Why didn't we even think of this before? He's got the hookup. He probably has met Virgil before. I don't think so, but I'll ask. We'll I'll reach like, out to hey, him again. We tried to reach out to his auntie, and no one <laughs> no one got back to us. Can us. you go on your computer and get the direct number to Virgil? <laughs> <laughs> so he... um, Yeah, I told him to wear the harness, but he didn't want to wear the harness. My boo. It's funny, because I... Hi, Alex. Um, I actually think that that harness would have looked good on him. Personally. Right. I think that's a look for him. I think maybe he forgot. To put and, it on? Yeah, and I don't want to push it. I don't want him to think anything <laughs> that he shouldn't be thinking, if that makes any sense. <laughs> All right, this show is derailing very quickly. Um, so that's just my thing. What do you think? So he's not a copier. Um, He's a biter, but not a copier. <laughs> this, to me, is... Okay, even if it's true, how are you going to prove it? Hello? There's pictures out there. Right, I get that, but how do you prove that he... Like, there's no way to go in and say, okay, I put my stuff out, and then he saw it, and then decided... Like, there's no way to prove that he... He saw your collection okay. and then ripped you off. The collection was shown at April 2018. Uh-huh. So how long does it take to make a collection? Well, but that's not the point. You have no way of proving that he saw your collection. You guys could have been inspired by two different things and arrived to the same point. Now, I feel like if you dig more into the colors one, I think you'll find the similarities to be... It's a similar Way design. Way too similar. It's a similar design aesthetic, but that doesn't mean... But in, this, in the right, in the same position, in the same place, in the same print, in the same graphic, in the same pattern, in the same... Okay, everything can, the same. Can I uh, just... I, not that I'm defending him by any means. I think but, you are. Well, he's from Illinois, so, you know, I feel... I'm, I'm from Illinois, too. I feel... No, you're from, like, Arizona or... New Mexico. Wyoming. Or... Iowa? <laughs> oh, my God. No one wants to be from Iowa. Um, no, I'm not defending him in any regard. I'm just saying, like, you have to be able to prove that that's actually the case. Like, there's so many gray areas in fashion, unfortunately. Like, that whole lawsuit that happened with the Red Soul on Louis Vuitton shoes. That Louis Vuitton – was it Louis Vuitton, I think it was? That had put red – had put a red finish on all of their soles, and Louis Vuitton sued them for it because they said that was a trademark infringement. This is like going back years ago. And they ultimately ruled against Louis Vuitton, or excuse me, um, Christian Louboutin, saying, well, you can't really technically trademark a color. Or I think they basically settled on the fact, if I remember correctly, that you couldn't do the sole. Like you could do the back of the heel, but you couldn't do the sole, that that was synonymous with the Louboutin brand. Mm-hmm. Louboutin. And I think they got it based off of, if I'm not 
mistaken, was someone trying to go after that Robin's Egg Blue that uh, Tiffany & Company uses on all their boxes. It's what's synonymous to them. And they don't have a trademark on that color. So literally anybody could come along and use that color and and no one can touch you for it. Tiffany Green. That Robin's Egg Blue, that like blue-green color. Tiffany blue. The Tiffany Blue color. They... You can't uh, you can't go after somebody for that. Isn't that crazy? First of all, it's an ugly color. I have many boxes of that. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I get it. So okay, that's understandable. It's a color. But that's but, my point, though. Like, and it happened with Michael Kors a few years ago. It happened ago, with too. Adele. Adele. Remember her boyfriend tried to sue her for twenty one. Oh, for her music, right? Yeah, right. like he wanted to make sure he broke her heart. Right. Like, how do you know? Exactly. So you can apply that towards this. Like, <clears throat> there's no way to prove that. How, unless you have something in writing that said, for maybe from him to what this if kid he was saying, an intern? Well, then that's one. Of, but then you have to prove that he worked all these hours working for you. But where are these documents then? I don't know. Let's somebody call Michelle too. <laughs> Gustavo acts like the studio has like an intern sitting right. in the corner on a stool somewhere. And he's gonna Michelle. <laughs> and that a second off, he's got all these people on speed dial too. Right. Um, but okay. But what if it was an intern, and he was like, "Well, this is what I'm building for my collection." Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. And then Virgo's like, oh, let me take a picture there. Let me take a picture there. Oh, you're saying if he was an intern for Virgo. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, okay, but even so you have to be able to prove that those pictures. Okay, like, what if you had your fashion house and then you had an intern that was like, hey, I had an idea for this collection, but you knew that it wasn't your idea. It was the other person's idea. But that's the thing. Like, okay, so here, let me give you an example. When I interned in college, okay. I had to, when I got signed, or I, I was hired and offered a job position with this um, uh, tailoring studio downtown, I had to sign a document saying that I could not claim the rights to any of the design work because we did, um, like, we did restructuring of, like, old garments. We would take them apart and remake a new garment from the same fabric or we would make a, a custom garment. Like I made a custom Halloween ki- costume for a kid one year and we could not claim the rights. Like any patterns that I made in the studio there was stayed with them. I had no rights. To, so I basically waived my rights to it mm-hmm. so that if I could go, if later on down the road I complained about that and, mm-hmm. and tried to sue them, I, I had no leg to stand on. So that's another thing, too. So if this kid was a an intern for him, great and dandy, but I'm sure there was some sort of a document that was signed or there was some sort of an understanding saying that y- you own zero rights to this. Okay. So there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of gray areas in this. You have to, like, I, I want to see the detail to it. Right, but. Before you just start accusing people. And then it's a petty way of doing it, too. It's on social media. Everybody believes it's on social media. Well, they can't put anything on the internet that's not true. Right. <laughs> I just think you're guilty to prove it innocent. That's it. Oh, see, I see it the other way. My utilitarian government. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> Anywho, Anywho, now that we went on that lengthy discussion. Yes. Um, so, do you know what's the must-see exhibit of 2019? Um, your house? Yes. I'm going to be a hoarder now. Oh, dear Lord, those people. Um, <laughs> this is going to be awesome, actually. It opens up on February 2nd. Um, at the London's Victorian Albert Museum, and it will be, or it's going to lay claim to 2019's title of the most memorable exhibit. Um, it's titled, quote, Christian Dior, um, colon, designer of dreams, end quote. And this is going to be one of the largest, most in-depth looks at the House of Dior in the UK, which will feature over... 500 pieces and 200 couture gowns alone. And they have it chartered um, to to start in 1947 and go all the way to present day and celebrating the life of, uh, and work of Dior and all of his successors that have come after him. So Galliano, we had... Who's the one that we recently just had? We had... Um, um, Saint Laurent, that was the one I couldn't remember. Gianfranco Ferre. Um, Raph Simmons, and then just most recently, Maria Grazia Curie. And so each, it's under my understanding from what I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's basically, it's almost like a timeline from room to room. Correct. And in certain rooms, focus on certain successors. Yes. So Um. it starts off in Dior's giving birth in 1905, Mm -hmm. and then Italy to the exception of the house, um, family photographs, and then you get a little history of Catherine, which is his sister, who is inspiration behind Miss Dior perfume. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That pretty cool facts. Yeah. Um, and then you look back in 1947, following his fame sh- first show. So these are pictures of his 1947 show and some stuff that he showed at Harrods in London. Um, you know, this marks the, I guess this is the start of the, of the obsession with Dior mm-hmm. and anticipation of what to wear that season in the next six months, thus changing the zygas with new in each collection. I'm actually really excited that I saw that they're going to have the new look on display. Yeah, The original new look yes. on display. So that one I'm really excited to see. Um, so they have the room... They have this room exploring the connect his connection to Britain, um, which is going to be um, which the main attraction is the dress he made for Princess Margaret for her twenty first birthday, mm-hmm. um, which the dress is on loan from the Museum of London, um, so that's not in the Dior archives. Right, so it's just it's on loan to them. It's on the loan to them. Yeah. So do we know is this only going to be in London or is this going to travel like the McQueen exhibit did? Um, it's only going to be in London. Okay. This is um That's a shame. This is picking back off the one in Paris that they had mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. I think it was around the summer as well. Or like early fall or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um so this is pretty much the same show but it's just bigger. Okay. Well they're like I read somewhere that they're slating this show to be, like, one of the biggest shows since McQueen's Savage Beauty um, exhibit. Yes. Um, That that one traveled all over the place. But that's why I was wondering if 
they're anticipating this being a huge one. So I wonder if this gets just a lot of traction in London and a lot of people inquiring about it that it they make the decision to. I will go to London just to have it travel. Yeah. Hell, I would even fly to New York if it were in New York. Yeah, that is true too. Not not go as far as London, but what is London? I know, but okay, whatever. Anyhow. So the ballroom, there's this room called the ballroom, and it exhibits <laughs> the showstopper room. Um, it is a nod to Dior's um, Avenue Montage headquarters. Uh, the room has twinkling lights projected across the floor and walls and ceilings to give a 360-degree experience transforming from day to night in a matter of minutes. So the other rooms are also called the Travel Garden and Historicism. Um, this is where, in these other rooms, you'll see the works of his successors. Right. Um, and I was reading this other article that said that, um, you know, everyone is mentioned except for um, the one that took over um, for just two seasons, though, um, after John Galliano got fired. I'm like, yes, his stuff wasn't great, but he at least should I wonder if they they don't consider that like an actual head designer. Right, I think he was just like a fill-in. Um, right, like an interim head right. designer. So, so we like, just design the clothes, but don't really come out for the bow, you know? <laughs> so maybe they just assumed that, or they took that as, that's not technically a designer. I need to go back and do some history, because I really want to look at what Gianfranco Ferrer did. Mm-hmm. I feel he's like the first Italiano, right? Isn't he Italian? Yeah. To kind of take over a French house, um, I kind of want to see what he did for Dior. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is gonna be a great show just for the pictures alone. It looks magnificent. You know, it looks really like planned out and stuff. Um, I think I sent you the picture of. I think it was the couture dress that said Christian Dior that was designed yeah, that by Maria. Yeah, that it was uh, in cursive. It, yes, it was so pretty. Like, I really like I really like it. I really like it. Do you like it so much that you want it for yourself? I do. I would just put it in a glass case or something. How are you going to turn on Carolina I, like that? Carolina understands that she is the only woman in my heart. <laughs> Oh, man. I'd be like, I'm going to go to Carolina, exactly like Virgil. I'd be like, can you reinterpret this dress? How about that? Anyhow. (laughs) Anywho. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we could, you know, blabber on for more, but I think, you know, this is... You blabbered out? (laughs) No. Um, I feel like I should have my own show, just like me and the wall. Just talking. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Um, but, yeah, you know, this is kind of all what we have today, guys. But um, there's a lot of information. I think we spent a lot on Virgo, Virgil. Okay, uh, I will say, not to get off on a tangent now because that's what's going to happen, but um, Emma Stone and Louis Vuitton at the SAG Awards, that was a good look. Yes. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Indeed. 
Oh, and then you liked what's her face in Michael Kors. Yeah, actually, that's one of the very few Michael Kors gowns that I've seen on the red carpet that I actually liked. Um, Emily Blunt, won, and she won a second. Why is she gonna be so night. blunt? That dress was beautiful, and her husband actually, John Krasinski. I don't remember who dressed him, but he had this like dark green suit of some or tuxedo, excuse me, of some sort on, and he looked great too. Yes, so. he did look really good too. It fit up very, very well. I think it was... It might have been Xenia. I'm not sure who it was. I know Rami Malek's been Dior lately. And then there was one other one. I think it might have been Julianne Moore that I really liked, but I didn't see who who dressed her. It was this... Because she's a, a natural redhead. I'm sure she dies it now, but um, she's a natural redhead, and hers... I really enjoyed too, and I didn't I like I like the white Lady Gaga Dior. Yes, that one was beautiful too. It was just literally off the runway. Darren Chris looks like he's expecting a flood in some pants that are way too short for him. I didn't like. I like whatever Amy Adams wears, but not this specific one. Yeah, she's. I don't know. Either like hit or miss with a lot of that, but. <sighs> I like what Lupita wears, but she wore Van Wang, and I didn't like it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen better from her, right? She wore Ralph and Russo, which is one of your favorites. I do. I love Ralph and Russo. But and then um, anybody else? Um, Margot Robbie and Chanel. I think was cute. I got that's that's about all I liked to be honest with you. Mandy Moore. Anybody else? Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O's. Oh I think she wore Jenny Pacman. She looked like she looks great as of recently. Anything else? No. Okay. She wears a lot of pants. Man, this is ugly. Sorry, I just came across this. Kate Nash, and God knows what. It, this is horrible looking. It's got a bunch of little hearts all over it. No, thank you. Goodbye. Oh, so. Sophia oh, Bush. I like this. Constance Wu. Simple, but elegant. Yeah, you know what I, I noticed amongst all of these was that. A lot of them were not um, overdone gowns. They were, like, very simple dresses. Yeah, like that. Very simple. They weren't... She's flying away? They weren't, very, like, anything crazy. If she didn't win, was she going to fly away? Yeah. She's going to fly away to your house so you guys could cry together. Ew. Um, See, she looks pretty as you are. Yeah. But there, I'm saying, like, there were very few that were in, like, big gowns. The majority of them were all very, like, simplistic. Like, even Glenn Close wore a suit. She didn't even wear a dress. She wore an all-white suit. Yes, I think she looks mm -hmm. fabulous in that. So, anywho. Um, oh, my husband. <laughs> this is where the wheels are going to start to fall off the bus now, aren't they? No, of course not. Um... So anyway, in true junkie fashion, is there something in specific that you're obsessing about at the moment? 
Um, at the moment, I am obsessing over BOF's podcast. Mm, that's a good one. I have listened to that. Um, I'm just trying to soak everything up as much knowledge as I can. Um, <coughs> um, excuse me. Anything else is just I'm just trying to binge watch Gilmore Girls so I can blog about it at the end of it. I have notes and stuff. But for some reason, I can't seem <laughs> to, like, fly through it like I did Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's because I'm trying to catch, like, all these sarcastic comments in between and the little jokes mm-hmm. that, like, I'm constantly, like, replaying 10 to 15 minutes of it. Well, not constantly, but, you know. No, I gotcha. I understand what Something you're saying. Something like that. What about you? Um, well, I told you earlier, I was... Wait, hold on. Yes? How's Celebrity Big Brother? Oh, Tamar Braxton is a mess, and I love every second <laughs> of her. She's my favorite on the show. I love your text where you were like, I'm the president for Frank Club. Yeah, she, like, <laughs> as messy as they come. and She's the worst. And I just, I'm here for every second of it. <laughs> Um, she's great. And she's bonkers. Yeah, she yes, exactly. I think that's you a th- perfect word. She's actually the Braxton reality TV show. Mm-hmm. She I think she was about the same or probably even more. Yeah, she's yes. She's a whack job. I love her though. So it's okay. Survivor starts at the end of the month. The Ooh. edge of extinction will start the twenty sixth. Um. What else? Does Amazing Race still come on? Yeah, yeah. They just they finished that in the fall, so that won't you won't see that till midsummer again. Oh. Um. I wonder if there's like a Netflix for like Survivor Sur- Survivor. Um. Well, you can watch like all the seasons of Big Brother. I don't know. Is that on CBS? Is that I? I like I watch so. TV, and yeah. I don't even know. Because um, I know CBS has a what they call the All Access app, uh-huh. and it archives all the shows that they like, all the shows, all the seasons that they have been on. Um, they, I'm looking to see if they're on here because I can't remember what channel they're on. I think, uh, I yeah, do. yeah, you can actually get all the episodes of Survivor every single season. No, I mean, um, what about? No, not Survivor. Um, Amazing Race. Oh, The Amazing Race? Let's see. I stopped watching after the family one. They did the, they did the whole American. Yeah, it is. It's on the CBS app. Yep, look. They did the family um, Amazing Race. Oh, you know what? No, it's not. They're showing clips. It premieres uh, Wednesday, May 22nd. Oh, they're having a family one? Uh, let's see. The Amazing Race. It amazing. I don't know. There's clips. Mm, I don't know that these are families. Oh, no. You know what? This is from last, um, this is from last season because I recognize all these people. Yeah, I saw this. This is from last season. So, no. They don't. But I bet you you could probably find those on YouTube or something. That was a whole 
good thing about Hulu. I thought Hulu or somebody would have them. But yeah, anyway, I'm not sure. I need somebody's Amazon Prime account so I can <laughs> use it, please, so I can watch some other shows. Have we ever talked about this? I um, No. I must live, like, near a fulfillment center because I get shit faster than most people with Prime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happens, but it happens. I think there is one around here. I, I have no idea. But I get things so fast. It's You should just stupid. try it, like, at midnight and see if it'd be there the next day. Well, there's some things that... Yeah, I get two-day shipping on it, even though I don't have Prime, which is weird. Yeah. So, I, whatever. Um, anywho. Anywho. Um, thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for tuning. Um, Thanks for having us back. 2019 is going to be 2018. a... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's early for me. 2019 is going to be a, a really great year for us, I think. And I think so. I hope so. It should. It's going to be. Yeah. We're working on getting a few guests in here in the next couple months, let's say. Um, so we should have some some more exciting contact. Yeah, through. maybe we'll film something. Why do you always want to film us? Like, I feel like have, okay, that gives off the vibe of like some weird guy that's got like a uh, like a fetish, for example, that like likes to tape people, and then do you just watch it back in your house, like just put have it on play on your computer, and you're yes. just like hello, <laughs> yes. Like a peeping tom. <laughs> oh, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done with you for the whole week. <laughs> like not even next week, okay? I don't wanna... Oh man. Anyway, well, thank you so much for having us and Yes. It's we will, been fun. We um, will see you in a couple, a couple weeks, weeks, yeah? Yeah. Perfect. Anything else? No, nothing. No, you got anything? We're good. We're good. We're done. It's Saturday. We're going to go enjoy. I'm going to go eat some waffles. Waffles. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, have no a waffles. wonderful week, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Bye. Bye-bye.